The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Right now on Fast, a rough end to a volatile week. of stock sending a month-long win streak in a big way today. The S&P seeing its biggest one-day drop since June, but with Jackson Hole around the corner and a new slate of earnings on deck, how should you position your portfolio? Plus, a meta meltdown. Morgan Stanley giving the Facebook parent a big price target cut today. So where's the stock going now? We turn to the chartmaster for some answers. And later, believe it or not, there were a couple bright spots in today's otherwise cloudy market. We'll tell you what's behind the big up moves in Oxy and Foot Locker and bringing the trades. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square on the desk tonight. Steve Brasso, Tim Seymour, and Julie Beal of Kane Anderson Rudnick. We start off tonight with what else? The sea of red on Wall Street to close out this week. Major indices all taking it on the chin, with the Nasdaq tumbling 2%. Both that index and the S&P 500 snapping four-week winning streaks. The biggest laggards today include tech, retail, and meme stocks, all this action as Wall Street goes back into FedWatch. Central bank officials convening in Jackson Hole next week. What do you make of the moves today, Steve? So the, the, the way you frame this market is it's about inflation, it's about the Fed, it's about earnings. Mm-hmm. It's probably in that order. I would say that I want to frame the market, which means that you have the ability to run in the market, which we did. Now it's time to take a pause. So we got back most of that sell-off or half of that sell-off. Right. Now it's time to maybe throw out a couple of the shorts again, see where we lie. Middle of September, I think people feel maybe bullish to neutral, but I think earnings and margins are going to come into play. We'll get that backdraft in the market September, October. Midterms come about. And I think that's going to be a tailwind of the market going into the year end. Right. Um, you know, Julie, what struck me is this week we had a lot of hawkish Fed talk ahead of Jackson Hole. And um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell speaks on Friday morning. So, of course, everybody's going to be uh, listening to that. And all he has to do if he wanted to set this market straight is open his mouth and be hawkish. And then things just automatically become crystal clear to investors. How do you think, um, you know, the markets would react to that message coming from the Fed Chair? Uh, you know, typically it's a temper tantrum, right? Because what we're looking for is the easy money that we've all gotten completely addicted to. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again, the Fed has a wife and kids, and that's inflation and employment. And we as investors, we're just the mistress or the side piece. And so it's, <laughs> it's much more important that they handle that. And I think looking at the data, employment is still very strong. Inflation, while getting better, is still also very, very high. And I think that that's going to be their focus, right? They were already caught flat-footed, and they don't want to make the same mistake twice. Julie never fails to deliver on the, on the metaphors, Tim. <laughs> um, how do you follow an act like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, if only my wife and kids were that easy, I guess is what I'd say. Um, <laughs> and, and so... Yeah. We, we have a dynamic with the Fed that I think coming out of those Fed minutes and the commentaries you talked about, I mean, even even a, a Kashkari who is an uber dove is trying to sound hawkish. And I think what was notable about the minutes, and I think I would define this week as a, a Fed that didn't want you to believe that pivot means anything close to, to easing. Mm-hmm. And that, in fact, if anything, um, restrictive is the right word and for longer and on hold. And, 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 and I think our, 
our ultimate guide on the Fed has to come from the market. It has to come from Fed fund futures. And somewhere between April and June next year is where we're peaking, somewhere around 360. And then we start to pull back. Now, many things can change, and those numbers have been changing. But, but the Fed better be hawkish next week. Um, and as Steve pointed out, and as I think we're all outlining, as we've said on the show for a couple weeks, the rally is a function of better inflation, maybe even uh, gas prices lower at the pump or a bit of a tax cut, et cetera. But uh, the dynamic that is mostly about positioning and sentiment. Um, and after a, a 29% move on semis, they pulled back 5% or so in, in a couple of days. Not that big a deal, although Carter's going to talk about it as he always does, maybe not today, but key technical levels for the market. Um, I think you have a case also, you had an options expiry uh, into today. Uh, I think that could set you up for a little bit of a downward bluster even on Monday, because I think the street, if anything, um, was trying to push down volatility over the last couple of weeks. And I think that will not be great for stocks as we start next week. The right. Fed has to be hawkish. Sure. Make, make no mistake about it. They have to be hawkish, right? But, yeah. but what they're going to do. So in September, they'll probably move 50 basis points. I don't think they'll move 75. That will be seen as bullish for the overall market. 50. Mm-hmm. 50 basis points. But the only way that we don't go into a recession is if they fail. They stop too soon. Uh-huh. So if they don't, they always push it a little so too, side too far. the of a successful anti-inflation campaign, in your view, is it has a, to be a recession. recession. It they has have to, to be a recession. They have to squash mm-hmm. demand. So in, in its definition, they have to squash the demand so much so. But the problem is we have a supply chain issue that's on top of this environment that we're in right now. So they risk the, uh, the ability to push us into a recession mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with why we're here. The more we think about a recession, though, the more the market can believe, Tim, that there is a Fed pivot on the horizon in 2023. And I was having this discussion with Steve Leisman this morning where the Fed and the market seem lined up in terms of the direction of rates to the end of this year. And then next year is where the disparity begins because, uh, you know, the Fed is basically saying, don't think of a pivot. We're going to stay, as you mentioned from the minutes, sufficiently restrictive for a long time. But the market is pricing in cuts. And so it seems like the market is saying, you know what, what the Fed is going to do will probably put us in a recession, which will then cause the Fed to actually pivot. I don't know what your take is on. on that's, that's, what the, that. that's what the market's doing. Well, we, yeah. we've been bred on and we've been born and raised back to the family analogy on on this one. Um, this is this is the food we've eaten at the dinner table for the last 13 years. And, and I don't see why the market's going to expect anything different. I, I, I am concerned that uh, the Fed you know, deviates from its course, which is to get in control of inflation. Let's not forget that today we got a 33 percent inflation uh, number, a CPI number in Germany uh, mm-hmm. up you know, 5% or so on the month, up 33 to 34% on the year. These were higher than expected. And I know we think this is just Europe's problem, but I don't think it's as simple as saying that uh, inflation issues are contained regionally and that we're suddenly uh, going to see, you know, a total tailwind from the world of inflation. I think we have to watch out for that. But um, I agree. I I think the market doesn't know where the Fed's going to be next year because the Fed doesn't know. And and that for equity should be a little bit unsettling. But um, the market has gotten comfortable and believes that this is a Fed that might have a Fed put, and we've talked about that too. I, I, I just don't see the Fed put here if they're doing the right thing. Julie, do you think that the, do you think that going to the end of the year we will see an opportunity to rally? I mean, do you think that there's an element of seasonality as we push through, you know, the September hike that there will be some feeling of I don't know bullishness going to end of year? 
It's strange, right? Because everything kind of pivots around the consumer. And if the consumer has a good holiday season, then we should be in good position for next year. My concern right now is there's just too much inventory that's coming. It's already waiting on docks and it doesn't actually have demand to support it. Warehouses are completely full. They're not even taking delivery of certain supplies. And half of the stuff that's out there waiting is stuff that was for the summer. And so it's not even going to be hitting at the right time. So I'm pretty concerned about the health of the of the consumer. It looks like it's a pretty mixed bag if we look at retail earnings this week and we have more going forward too. But I just wonder, you know, if the, if the retail segment really starts to falter, what does that mean for business confidence overall, right? They're not divorced from each other. Let's uh, turn now to Meta. Shares dropping more than 3.8% today after Morgan Stanley slashed its price target for the Facebook parent to 225 from 280. The stock underperforming its Fang peers by a wide margin. But where is it going from here? The Chartmaster is here to give us his technical take. Carter Worth of Worth Charting joins us. Carter, what are you looking at? Yeah, let's try to figure it out. So in the case of Morgan Stanley, the reduction in the price target is coming in line with the street, right? So there's some 60 analysts. The highs and lows are all over the place, but the the average price target is 223. So a reducing down to 225 puts uh, Morgan Stanley in line with consensus. Um, the funny thing is, of course, the price target was 400 on the street in January. Here we are now at 223. So what do we do? Let's look at the charts. First chart, a long-term chart, all data chart. It was a Friday, the IPO. It was May 18th of 2012. So just over a decade ago, it came out at 38 bucks and only just recently has it broken trend. You can see it there, it broke its all data trend, dropping 59%, but it's fighting hard here not to continue lower. And ultimately, I think it is bottoming. Let's look at a little shorter term. This next iteration picks up the COVID low and puts it in relief. The COVID low was 140, 137 to be exact, and the stock keeps fighting at 150, plus or minus. And uh, I think that's important day-to-day action. The last two charts are identical. The first of the last two, is it just simply in a downtrend and we will go to the COVID lows and continue lower? Or another way to draw the lines, last and final chart, are we basing and bottoming? That's what my eye sees. I think that uh, money, uh, you need capitulation like this. You need price targets that are too high coming down and that ultimately uh, Meta, Facebook, whatever you want to call it, is, is something to be bought here, not sold. Carter, thanks. We'll see you in a few minutes for Options Action. Let's trade this. It always, it's always great to get Carter's take, and I love when he says, let's figure it out together. Let's turn the chart. I mean, like, the charts have every single answer. Um, the fundamental side of, of Meta, though, is, is sort of an interesting dynamic, Julie. I mean, you've got the core business, which is declining. You've got a growing uh, new business, Reels, which is harder to monetize. And you've got this amorphous thing that it's spending billions of dollars on called the Metaverse. And it's got about a 17 forward P.E. So Carter says he thinks it's bottoming. Where do you think the stock is? You know, I I think a lot of it depends on what the earnings are really going to be. At the end of the day, this is a media company, right? It sells advertising against content. The content's just user generated. And to the extent that it is not able to do that as well, that's a problem for the fundamental earnings. And to the extent that they are head down deciding to plow a ton of money into a metaverse, which still doesn't have a very clear business use case, for us, fundamentally, it's still a problematic company. I think regula- like regulation is still something that's a fundamental risk to this business because of all the practices that you know, we continue to hear about that have been so negative. So for us, we're going to continue to stay on the sidelines.
You know, when you, when you look at the charts, as, as uh, Carter just said, if you look at a year chart, it looks like it's bottoming. Mm -hmm. It looks like 157 is supporting the name. You look at a three-year chart, you have to go back to COVID low, as he said, 137. But as Julie just said, they don't know who they are. So how can I invest in a company who doesn't know who they are and is spending a ton of money to figure out who they are? They're seeing a, a, a therapist every week trying to figure out who they are, and that therapist costs them a billion. How can I invest in that company but, that but, doesn't but, understand but they what they're their doing? Ticker to Meta, Tim. They know who they are, right? I say facetiously. <laughs> well, what do you think? I, I mean, the, 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 the only good. Yeah, the only good thing about the change of the ticker to Meta is is that we're now at least expecting uh, less in the way of spend than we did when they first talked about this and said they're moving aggressively. Because we all understand that 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 that's not the exciting story in the near term. If anything, this this Morgan Stanley downgrade was I thought a glass half full um, because I, I think if anything they're talking about upside from reals. They're saying four and a half billion uh, in 23, but it could be over 10 billion. They're talking about you know opex, which is growing more slowly than it had. And I think this whole meta pivot, let's use that word, um, is one that, that I think Facebook has been trying to, uh, I'm not saying they're, they're trying to, to downplay this, but I, I do think that they are trying to show uh, that they can actually be in control of costs. Mm -hmm. And I think Morgan Stanley emphasized that there's a lot of bad news in the price, right. but getting down to 225 and, you know, Carter pointed out where the street is on this, and that is important. And just to be clear on Carter, if, if you can't feel relaxed and comfortable listening to Carter on a setup Ooh. when you're seeing a Monet painting behind him, I almost feel like I hear classical music playing whenever he opens his mouth. So um, I, I'm listening to him. I heard a basing there. I actually added to some Facebook uh, about two weeks ago, just into those numbers, didn't feel great about it. And let's be clear, Facebook's only 7% off of the low of the market when everything else is probably up 20 to 30%. And it tells you that the market is still struggling with the story. I think Carter should do books on tape personally. Um, coming up, a double dose of tape toppers on this otherwise down day. We'll dig into the headlines that sent shares of Occidental Petroleum and Foot Locker soaring today. And later on Options Action, turbulence ahead. Airline stocks have been under pressure this week, and the trouble could only just be starting. We've got a trade to protect you from any rocky ride. Don't go anywhere. More Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a double dose of stocks topping the tape today, starting with Occidental Petroleum shares surging almost 10 percent after regulators gave Berkshire Hathaway approval to take up to a 50 percent stake in the energy stock. Berkshire already owns uh, more than 20 percent, which allows the company to report some of Oxy's earnings as its own. Julie, what do you think of Oxy? 
You know, it's interesting positioning for the business. And I think obviously we're trying to see if we're going to be in any kind of up capital cycle, which really gives them more visibility into earnings longer term, which is hard in commodities. Um, I never bet against Warren. I feel like he always has way more information than I do. So, I, you know, I think it probably makes sense. All right. Let's move on to Foot Locker. Also topping the tape today, shares soaring 20% after reporting better than expected earnings and a leadership shakeup. The retailer saying former Ulta CEO Mary Dillon will take the reins on September 1st. Bank of America upgrading Foot Locker on the back of that announcement, calling Dillon's appointment a, quote, thesis changing move. Foot Locker's gain was its biggest since 2017. Grasso, you've been looking at the chart. Yeah, so when I go back to February, there was a gap lower in the charts, and the, the level that it has to get back to is 41 and a half. And today, after this monstrous run that for one month the stock is up over 40%, it stopped short of that level. That means there's a ton of resistance at that price point. So I would say take some profits until it breaks through that level, 41 and a half. Mm-hmm. Tim, uh, Mary Dillon was a rock star at Ulta. Absolutely rock star. I mean, Mick Jagger, three times revenue, tripled it in the course of 10 years, well into their loyalty business, really got them uh, got them into retail and distribution that they wouldn't have been. And, and I think the story for Foot Locker, that change in thesis is that Foot Locker, first of all, less reliant on one core vendor, i.e. Nike, uh, less reliant, uh, I, I think, on brick and mortar malls, et cetera, and really moving a lot more towards DTC. So um, they, they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, but let's not forget that the numbers that came out here. These are the best annual sales since 1994. I know it was a pull forward from COVID that they, you know, they were expecting, but um, this is not a broken company. It is a company that still has something to prove, and this is the right person for the job. All right, coming up, Zoom, Peloton, and NVIDIA. Oh my, those are just some of the names on deck to report earnings next week. And we're asking the traders which ones can give us the real read on the markets. And be sure to stay tuned, 6 p.m. for a CNBC special, Battle for the Consumer. After a big week for retail, we'll dive into what is next for the sector and how companies are fighting to keep customers coming back. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back in two. We're watching shares of Bed Bath & Beyond move sharply lower in the after-hour session, down 6%. There is a Bloomberg report right now that some suppliers have halted shipments to Bed Bath & Beyond due to unpaid bills. Several credit and financing firms have also revoked coverage, according to this report. We're seeing the stock uh, react immediately to this. And so the plot thickens here, Tim, because there's a real question as to whether or not Ryan Cohen was privy to material non-public information when he sold his entire stake in the company because he put in some board members, and now this report comes out. Not sure if it's related, not trying to connect those dots, but the timing of this is fascinating. Well, that's what we've been talking about all week, and and I can't speak to that. I can only say that that pushing very hard for three board directors of, of which he has influence, or at least certainly he's appointed, um, at a time when he was getting seemingly very involved as an activist in a role that activists often do, and that's not just their uh, role as uh, buying the stock. So um, what a wild week. I, I think the stock probably is still up small week over week, if you look at it, despite the move down 40-something percent today and another 6 percent in the after hours. But remember, th- 
this was a restructuring story last year. And this was a story that really, you know, there are, uh, it, it, on some level, it sounds a lot like an AMC or a GameStop. I mean, there are secular reasons why people don't need to go to uh, Bed Bath & Beyond anymore. And, and on top of that, there's been a, a, a burn and a balance sheet issue. Uh, it's, a, it's a nasty combination. Um, and it's not a stock that I would be speculating in either direction at this point. Yeah. Julie, what's your take on this whole thing? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think we're not even trading on fundamentals anymore. It's just noise. And if you do start to look at the fundamentals of this business, it's, it's exactly right. It's, you know, something that just isn't, doesn't have the same level of relevance. You don't need a box that big anymore to really work. And I think the competition that they feel from Amazon and other players, it, it's just brutal. So I think even just from a pure fundamental standpoint, the balance sheet is a mess. It's not something we would be interested in. All right. Again, the stock is down by more than 5%. Remember, summer Friday after hours, so it's going to get whipped around here. Um, let's move on here. As they say, it ain't over until the fat lady sings. I guess they do say that. Um, I don't. We've got another week of earnings on deck. Big names like NVIDIA, Salesforce, Toll Brothers, and more to set to report. What's the number one stock mm. you are watching, Steve Grasso? Yeah, it's, it's impossible to say number one, but we have to for the show. I'm interested in everything on that board, but I'm interested to see what a firm looks like with their partnership with Amazon. They've been a high multiple stock. I want to see what fintech looks like going into next week. I also want to see what uh, Nordstrom looks like as well, as well. Yeah. Tim? NVIDIA. And the fat man can sing as well, by the way. So, um, and, and I think NVIDIA's person, case... We say, um, look, why, why do we have to say fat? Let's fat just person. say somebody sings. Somebody sings Absolutely. and it signals and, the end. And, and I'll call... Yeah, and I'll call NVIDIA a fat cat in the last run of the market. I mean, clearly this was the high tech, uh, high momentum, high growth and, and high almost technology name. And we already got well, we have numbers out of out of NVIDIA. We got them a couple weeks ago. They weren't great. Uh, a lot of it's in the stock. But I still want to hear on data center, which is actually a bright spot. Uh, and I still want to hear some of the other trends that they started to articulate gaming down massively uh, and some of the other leading edge technologies. We will benefit uh, in the semi space from hearing from NVIDIA, who I think most people want to believe in. Yeah, Julie, you're really focused on a read on the consumer. Yeah, I think understanding how Burlington and the other re retailers reporting next week is better getting a sense of how is the high-income consumer doing, how is the low-income consumer doing. I've generally been more favorable towards off-price because typically those are a little bit more resistant in any kind of economic downturn, and those guys have been really hurting for inventory, and I think they're going to have a wave of it. But the numbers out of Ross were not super inspiring, particularly for the low-income consumer, and so I'm worried they all get squeezed by inflation. Yeah, you're also watching a firm like Grasso. Yeah, because so much of their downgrade, all of their earnings have really been swept away by write downs. And I mean, write downs at 3.5% unemployment is not a great sign. All right. It is time for a final trade on a Friday. That went fast. Tim Seymour, kick it off. It sure did. It was fun, Mel. Um, so have a good weekend. And I would go with XLE. Some of the same reasons why Warren could not is necessarily going to increase his stake in Oxy to 50 percent or why the top end of the, Oxy, the XLE you want to own. It's balance sheet, it's dividends, it's debt buybacks and an ability to be very profitable, even at oil prices, $20 lower. Julie Beal. Uh, I like Bentley Systems. This is an infrastructure software play. It's vertical focus, much less cyclical end markets. And it's been around since the 80s. I like that. Steve Grasso. I'm really curious as to see how Powell is going to manage his side piece. 
you know, for the next month or so, as Julie said in the side opening piece? of the show. Well, that's what Julie said, right? It was she a side extras. piece. Is that the same thing? Yeah, Why she said no side piece. I don't know. W-A-R-K West Rock. Julie, right? You said side piece. <laughs> Is that, is that what people refer to their mistresses as? This sounds like a very bad, dangerous conversation. The show is over. It was fun. Don't say it so surprisingly, Tim. That was fun. That does it for us here on Fast Money. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.